Good morning, everybody. How are you? It's good to see you. Well, that's it. That's all I need to do today. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy your day. Filled my time. Uh, no, for those of you who don't know, I'm Rob, and I have the uh, privilege to get into the second message on a series uh, Pastor Dan just started last week called Practical Christianity. So things that we all deal with and give us some practical uh, understanding from Scripture of how that looks and what it might mean. And today I'm going to be talking to you about anger, three things, anger, jealousy, and envy. And uh, some of the things in my life, maybe share some, some stories about that. But I think those are things we all deal with. Wouldn't you agree? We all get angry. We all can be jealous. We can have envious things. And so scripture has some things to share about that. But before I get into it, I wanted to share with you a story. It's a true story. Uh <laughs> No, it really is. No, there, it, it's a story about a, a little girl, a young girl. She was in high school, and she was writing a research paper. And she was asking her dad, hey, dad, can you help me understand? I'm trying to do this paper, the difference between anger and exasperation. And he said, well, sure, sweetie. I think the best way to do that is to illustrate it. So he picks up his iPhone, and he dials this number, and he puts it on speaker. And the guy on the other end goes, hello. And the dad goes, yeah, is Melvin there? And the guy says, hey, uh, you know, sir, there's nobody living in this home by the name of Melvin. I, I would appreciate it if you would just, you know, pay attention to the numbers you dial before you call this number. And he hangs up. And his dad, the dad looks at the girl and says, you know, see, sweetie, that could tell. That guy was a little frustrated. I probably interrupted his day, you know, bad situation. But let's, let's take it to the next step here. So she, he picks up the phone. He calls the same number. The guy goes, hello. He goes, uh, yeah, is Melvin there? <laughs> the guy says, hey, look, buddy, you just called this number. You got a lot of nerve calling it again. I just asked you not to do it. What's going on? Please don't ever call this number again. And he frustratingly just slams his iPhone down. So the father says, you know, honey, right there, that's anger. You can tell that guy got a little angry. But now I'm going to show you what exasperation is. So he picks up the phone, and he dials the same number. And the guy goes, what in the world? He goes, hi, this is Melvin. Have I had any calls today? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's exasperation. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? That's a true story. True story. That was me and my daughter, Ruth. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I want to get into some, some things today uh, from Scripture about this. And uh, we're going to jump around a little bit. But when we talk about anger and jealousy, frustration, these kind of things, there's, there's one particular scripture in Galatians that picks this up. Is that echoing a little bit? Sounds like I'm in an echo chamber. Um, and I want to read to you, this is Galatians chapter 5, and they're pulling it up here so you can see it, because I asked, the, asked them to put it in New American Standard. Sometimes uh, that's one of my favorite ones. Oh, there it is. It's not up on that one, but I'll read it from here. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Now, right there, that's pretty good news. If we decide to let the Spirit of God in us to lead us that day, chances are we're going to be walking not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And that's a simple decision. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition one to another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Now, 
just so you guys know, and I'm, I'm sure you probably do, what he's talking about there is in, in our being, God made us tripart. There's some dispute about that. Sometimes people think the soul and the spirit's one. I tend to believe, because of what I see in Scripture, that we're three parts, body, soul, and spirit. So what I think Paul's saying there is there's a tension between the spirit of God in us and then the flesh, which I'm going to define here shortly, which is a mindset. It's a way of thinking that we inherited from Adam. We, were all, we all come from Adam, our, our, the, the man who was first uh, born, right, or made from God, right? We come from him. So because of what happened, and I'm going to share a little bit about that too, the spiritual death that we share, we carry that disease, so we're in Adam. And that, that mindset that happened with Adam to choose life outside of God created uh, a mindset that we've inherited too and it's called selfishness. It's called a self-life, right? We all struggle with that. So he's saying they're in opposition so that you cannot do this, you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's good news. We're not under the law. The, the law has been fulfilled in Christ, so we're not under it. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. So the list goes on. This is just what the flesh, our tendency to go towards that uh, side of things, which I forewarn you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want to focus in on just a few of these, the jealousy, the envy, the anger, and talk about that. But uh, if you can pull up that definition of the flesh now, this would be a good point to share that. I've shared this before. I hope you can read it. This is a definition that I've borrowed from other people, and I've added a few things, but I think this is pretty good in terms of biblically what the flesh is. It's a mindset. It's the, Well, the flesh, the self-life, is a condition that we inherited from Adam. We all have it. Where my focus is primarily on myself, even if it's good-looking self, well-adjusted self, socially acceptable self. Now, here's what I mean by that. There are, there are two ways that I know of that the flesh gets programmed into our lives. We can have negative and rejective traumatic things in our past, which I think all of us have, and then there's a blend of positive things that happen in, in our lives, and they actually act to sort of program this flesh, this mindset. So imagine with me, if you will, if you had uh, where, where the trauma and the rejection comes, what do you think a person like that, what do you think their mindset or would be maybe about themselves or God? Bad. Generally pretty bad. I'm not really good. God doesn't love me as much as others. What's that? Shameful. See, it's not true. There's a distortion that happens through these messages from family life conditions that come at us, come at a human being, and it affects the way we think. And those mindsets create a database in our bodies, in our minds, excuse me, that, um, that we draw from. Now, what about the other side of it? What about the positive things that happen? Well, sometimes those people, and, and I was one of them for many years, and I can still be this way, well, God's pretty happy with my performance. <laughs> you know, Rich, if you just had my faith, you wouldn't be where you're at. You ever hear that one? That was said to me a lot. If you just had my faith, you wouldn't be where you're at. Dude, that's a, 
that's a heavy duty, you know, what bondage around your neck, man. That is not from God. But see, it distorts us. And we begin to then become judgmental and prideful. See, when I when I became a Christian, my, my positive influence. My positive flesh got more programmed when I got saved, which sounds really silly, but we became so judgmental in how we approached students on campus and whatnot when I was involved with that. And you would have to agree, honey, I I just was so judgmental about everybody. Oh, look at those people over there. They're in sensuality, and we don't do that. I haven't even kissed my girlfriend, stuff like that. Seriously, so judgmental. Those campus crusaders are into all kind of weird stuff, not me. I'm holy. We're, we're the Marines of the, of the kingdom of God. That's what we really believe. And see how judgmental that is? So here's the point I'm trying to make. This, my, this strategy of living, this flesh, it doesn't matter, man, if it's good or bad, if it looks good or if it's bad, it's all the same to God. It's an abomination to him because he wants his spirit in us to live through us. He wants us to be so free and to walk in the freedom that he's made us to walk in so that we're not messed with this, but we have this tension all the time. So I'm living out of my own resources, such as heritage, education, IQ, personality, sense of humor, looks, talents, abilities. See, it's, it's all those things that I can live out of in order to cope and deal with life, solve my problems, Meet my needs, become a success. You could add to that. That's a pretty good definition, though, of the flesh. So when I say the flesh, you cannot have a fleshectomy. <laughs> I wish you could. It'd be so simple. It's probably located in your thigh somewhere. You can just rip it open. <laughs> no, you can't do that. Um, <laughs> but it, wouldn't that be great if you could? Gosh, we wouldn't have to deal with this stuff. Um, but I want to show you something I just, I was just talking about. So this database, right? We have, we have a database. We have this, the, the, the flesh is programmed through these years. However old you are, that's the database you have in your mind of how you think. And however old you are, that's the database in your emotional realm. And Alex, I think you would agree with me. My friend Alex is a professional counselor who's helped me tremendously. And he's a lot better looking and smarter than I am. So he helps me a lot. And he would agree that you tend to draw from your database in your mind and your emotions, and that's how we choose. That's how we choose. So imagine if that database of thinking is distorted and your emotions are all over the place, what kind of decisions do you think you might make? Not very good ones, generally. And I believe that sanctification, that's just a fancy word for God cleaning us up, is past, present, and future. It's ongoing, and the sanctification part of our lives is done in the soul realm, in our mind, our emotions, and how we choose. If we are open to the Lord and sanctifying that area, we become more like Christ every day. And, but, but it's in these moments, man, where we're angry and we're jealous of things and we're envious that we tend to think that's who I am, and we get all condemned and shamed over it. Wouldn't you agree? I've been so angry at times uh, that it's scary. I've talked with people uh, that have been so angry, they actually have a blackout. Have you had that talk to people like that, Alex? I mean, they literally just lose it, man. And they don't even remember what happened to them. Well, there, 
there are reasons for that. And I don't believe God obviously wants us to get to that point where we're blacking out and letting our anger come out towards people in a negative way uh, to hurt them. You know, Paul says in Ephesians, I'll get to it a little later, be angry. Anger is not a sin. It's a secondary emotion. It's an indicator that shows us, man, something's going on. I am really upset. Nothing wrong with that. But then he says three important parts after that. Don't sin in it. Don't let the sun go down on it. And don't give the devil an opportunity. Man, that's where I've been sabotaged because I've given the devil an opportunity to feed the lies, to continue to shame me that you're just an angry person. You could have really hurt your children when you disciplined them. You could have really, you probably did. You did this, you did that. See, that's where we can, that's one of the ways we give the devil an opportunity. And the anger is not who you are. It's just a secondary emotion that can become a problem. I'll tell you a story. I was thinking about this last night. Here's a good example of anger in my past that God just showed me uh, something, how easy it is. It was our first big date night when we had Ruth. She was about two years old. You know, parents, you, you want to go on a date night. You have the kids all the time, and you're tired. You want to go have a date night. Well, we get a babysitter, and everything's ready to go. And as soon as I'm leaving the house, sure enough, Ruth just starts throwing a tantrum that is out, you know, out of this world, just freaking out, crying, screaming. So I just say, well, let's just go. I'm going to go down the corner, and I'm going to get gas, and uh, I'll call you, the babysitter I'm talking about, and just see how things are going. Well, we do that. I call her, and sure enough, I hear Ruth, ah, ah, you know, just freaking out. So I get mad. You know why? Because it's spoiling my date night. That's why. And I wanted to just go and hang out with Amy and have some chips and salsa maybe, you know, or something. <laughs> Do you guys ever want to do that? Maybe a margarita if you... And here's my little girl crying her face off. So I, I slam the car door. I get in the car, and I am raging. I'm ready to just have a showcase showdown, man. I'm going to spank the cheese out of her, whatever. You know, whatever it takes. You don't do that. And it's so bad. That's bad. Well, I'm getting out of the car to walk in to confront my demonic daughter. <laughs> And the Lord speaks to me. He says, just listen to her. So I did. I walk in, and I'm, I'm, you, you guys know what I'm talking about? When you're that angry, you're just ready to just, man, it's all this selfishness. I was just mad. And I lean down to her, and she's freaking out, and I hold her. I go, honey, what's, what's wrong? You know what she said? Daddy, you forgot to kiss me goodbye. <laughs> I started crying because <laughs> I was so... I was like, Jesus, thank you for letting me see. I, I, all I, I didn't have to listen to the Spirit, but he was leading me out of that anger rage that I was walking right into. You didn't kiss me goodbye. I kiss her goodbye. I say, sweetie, I'm so sorry. And she ran off and played and had a great two hours while we went out and had chips and salsa. <laughs> you remember that? I just learned a lesson, man. I can be led by the Spirit of God. I don't have to define my life by this stuff. Well, let's go back to the root of anger. Here's, here's a principle of hermeneutics. You, if you don't know what hermeneutics is, I don't really either, uh, but I know this. It's, it's the study and the art of studying and understanding how to interpret Scripture. There are principles to how to study and interpret Scripture. If you just take a Scripture out and throw it at somebody, you could really hurt them. 
Has anybody been misapplied to Scripture before? Me too. So there's ways, and we're thinking about maybe even coming up with a little class of hermeneutics. I know our friend Julie Wahorla, who is a Bible scholar, she taught hermit. She teaches hermeneutics. So correct me if I'm wrong. She's, but here's one principle: the first mention principle. Anytime a a word is mentioned the first time in Scripture, there's significance to that. Isn't that right? There, there is a, it is what you would call like a seed of truth is there, and it's going to grow throughout Scripture. So when you find that one first mention and you follow it through, you can see tremendous illumination from the Word, and you begin to understand God's purpose and, and having it. Well, we're going to go back to the beginning of where I and I could be wrong, but I saw anger the first time, and that's back in Cain and Abel. So let's take a look at that real quick. If you guys pull that one up, you got it? Why isn't that one working? That's weird. I, I always forget to look, and now I'm remembering to look, and it's not there. Man, that's all right. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now, I talked with my friend DJ about this, trying to understand this a little more, but as far as we can see, Abel brought something that was the best. It it symbolizes the the fat portions, and it was the best he could bring. He had an attitude of, God, you're first. It would appear that Cain didn't have that type of attitude. He brought an offering, but it was more based on the flesh. That's what I would submit. And therefore, God had no regard for it. Have you ever made a bad decision and someone did better than you and you get mad? <laughs> Me too. Me too. And, but see, there's, there's truth in it. There's, there's wisdom in it. All he would have had to have done is just change his attitude. He could have went back to the Lord and said, you know what? For some reason, you liked Abel's more than mine. What's going on? But he didn't, and it actually got worse. If you go to the next one. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. One of the translations said he had a tantrum. (laughs) Kind of like that. (laughs) Sorry. That's that's what I do sometimes. (laughs) Okay? Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? But, and if you do not do well, now this is really amazing. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Sin is personified here for a reason. It's, it's waiting for us when we don't deal with this stuff. It's waiting. But the good news is we can master it, not by your own strength, not by me trying to do a class on anger management, although that could happen. That's good. There's nothing wrong with anger management. I mean, you can scream into a pillow for 10 seconds. You ever do that? I used to do that. No one could hear it, you know, just get it out somehow. That stuff's fine. It's fine. I used to do that. None of that's wrong. But to get to the root of it, I think the Lord wants us to know we can be led by him. Amen? We can be free to move and listen to what he's saying instead of going back to our flesh. So he became very angry, and it manifested actually in murder. Now, that's an extreme case, but I would submit, I've known, have you ever known people in prison? 
I, I've known a few over the years, quite a few, actually. And so, you know, they would, I would say, across the board, what's the common denominator, every one of them? Anger. Angry people that didn't know how to deal with it. And there's reasons, there's good reasons why they're angry. We're going to look at some of those roots. But they didn't deal with it. And it manifested into all kinds of things. God gives us a way to deal with it, which is really, really good. Well, let me give you a few definitions. Here's, here's some definitions of anger, jealousy, and envy as we look at this a little more uh, that I just found. I'm sure there's better ones. I just think these are good definitions. Uh, anger. It's a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. Hostility. That's a pretty good definition. You start to get annoyed. You become hostile. And there are, Keith, Keith in our men's group was talking about this, bro, weren't you? Like, there are levels of it, levels of anger. There's an initial level that's just normal, but it can go to another level and another level. You had about four or five that you were, you were sharing with us at the men's group that were really good. And eventually it ends up in the raging kind of stuff that can uh, multiply itself into, into, or manifest itself, I should say, into, into murder. Jealousy. Good definition for that. Feeling or showing envy of someone or of their achievements. And here's what I found interesting. I dug into this a little bit more. You know what the main causes of jealousy are? Number one, the first main cause, the biggest main cause of jealousy, lack of self-confidence. Lack of self-confidence, which is then really it's tied to doubting your own abilities or skills. That's the number one. The number two cause is poor self-image or self-worth. Now, this is what I, I want to share with you. See, that's the problem. We, we are not looking at Christ and us in those moments. We're looking at ourselves and all the failure and all the stuff, and that's where the enemy will shame you and really mess with us. Isn't that right? Instead of saying, wait a minute, I'm forgiven. I'm a new creation. If you've received Christ, you are a new creation. That's the truth. All old things pass, new things come, we are new. And God wants us to focus on that and see who, what that is and live out of that. And, but I, you know, for me, man, I, I struggled so many years with self-confidence and not, not even knowing how to deal with it. And my self-image was so poor that that's what made me so angry at people. My good friend, Brian Smith, it's a great example. He lives in Phoenix, uh, I lived with him in Tucson and did ministry with him for many years, and then we helped them start a church there, which is actually doing very well. We helped them start it uh, 16 years ago, 2004. It's got 1,000 people in it now, and it's college students, and they're reaching the university, or Arizona State University, doing really well, uh, which is really great. But this dude, everything he touched turned to gold. Everything I touched seemed to get rotten and fall apart. <laughs> He was also 6'5". He still is. Still is. He might be taking hormones and getting taller. I don't know. But he was 6'5". And, you know, I'm, you know, all of his brothers are like 6'4", 6'5". And, I, you know, I'd be around him. I'd just feel intimidated. Everything. He was a, he's a great communicator. I don't think, I, you know, I, I sucked at that. I, he, would, he was, uh, his family, was, he was a, his dad was a doctor. Those guys would drink 18 gallons of milk a week, these boys. I think I, I, you know, I'm not the tallest guy in the room, and I think a lot of it's because I drank coffee when I was three years old, and I wasn't allowed to drink milk. We drink Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid a lot. I didn't, I was allowed, but 
We just didn't have it <laughs> that much. So I would drink Kool-Aid. You know how much sugar is in Kool-Aid, man? I think that stunted my growth or something. I don't know. But my point is, I was intimidated by all his goodness. I was jealous and envy of this, envious of him, and it manifested in this subtle anger and frustration that really began to take a hold of my life. And that was not from the Lord, man. And uh, this is stuff we deal with, though. We get jealous. They got a bigger house. They got cleaner cars. Their kids smell good. My kids didn't smell good for years. I mean, I don't know what it was. Amy did the best she could. But the boys, <laughs> the boys, as soon as they're born, they smell bad. They can dab them in their little towels and put them in their little, and they just smelled just not like the girls smelled. The girls smelled so, didn't they? You guys have daughters, they smell beautiful almost all the time. Even if they work out, they smell good. But the boys, the boys don't smell that good. Well, I was, all I'm saying is I was comparing myself to all these people. They have a better car, better house. Everything he does touches, turns to gold. And I'm looking at myself, poor self-image. You see what I mean? This is the cause of it and all this stuff. And I wasn't looking at Christ in me and hearing what he said about me. And it, learned, it turned into a lot of problems potentially until I started to mature enough to to actually humble myself and say I was sorry and go talk to my friend and say, man, I could learn from you. <laughs> That's what Cain could have done. I can learn from you, Abel. I'm the oldest. You're the youngest. But you did something right, and I did it wrong. Can I? What did you do? What's going on? But he didn't do it. And it ended up being a big problem. Envy. Uh, a feeling of, or of, of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or skills. <laughs> See, these are things that are not, that God doesn't want us to, 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 to have them take a hold of us and live out of. And I did for, for years with this friend of mine and uh, was totally forgetting who God made me to be and the gifts he'd given me and the skills he'd given me and that I can learn from other men and women and grow and be free and be humble. Instead, I was full of pride and trying to do it all on my own and that, as many of you know, eventually led to a mental breakdown in my life that changed everything for me. You can't do it, man. I told a lady the other day in my office, I said, you know, she's trying real hard. I just, I know I'm not reading my Bible enough, and I barely go to church, and I just, I don't know, I, I, I don't pray enough. And I said, you know something? You, you can't live the Christian life. She thought I was picking on her. <laughs> what I'm saying is, no human being can live the Christian life. There's only one being in the universe who can and did, and it's Jesus Christ. He lives through you if we allow him to. That's, that's what I mean. And I, I, I think we mix that up sometimes, and we start to compare, and then we get jealous and angry, and it's just a mess. There's only one person that can live the Christian life, and that's Jesus, and he will do it all the time in and through you if we just get out of the way. And let him do it. Some of the roots of uh, anger that I've seen over the years. These are some, these aren't all. Generally, rejection causes some of this. I'm going to focus in on anger. Uh, bad decisions, we talked about that with, with Cain. Injustice, when things happen bad to us. Talking to DJ about this, he really helped me to see. He said something very profound. He said, could it be that God allows some of the injustices in our lives to help shape us more like Jesus? 
instead of getting so angry and mad and becoming a victim. There are no victims in the world. There really aren't. We choose to become victims like I have many times. And there are none. We're all in the same playing field if we're believers because Christ in you, the hope of glory, makes you the best you you could ever be. And that's the truth. Unforgiveness, I taught about that a few weeks ago. That's another root of of anger. Not dealing with things in our past that we haven't forgiven somebody, and uh, that can lead to the anger too. It says in uh, James 1, I'm going to just read this to you, uh, about the anger. It says, the anger of man, did you pull it? There it is. You pulled it up. I'm sorry. I didn't know if I gave that to you. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Again, the anger is just an indicator. It's just an indicator. If you have anger and you're getting angry at something, that's not like you know, the defining moment of your life. It's just pull the car over. If, you have, if you're, if you're in a, driving in a car, right, and you have the, the little temperature gauge and it's getting into the red zone, you don't just flick the indicator and go, what the, this is a stupid indicator? No, you pull the car over or there's something going on. That's all God wants us to do. When we're angry, something's happening. He gives us that emotion so that we can know. It's just that if it goes further without dealing with it, it can become sin, right? It can become something that's not healthy. Um, it's just an indicator. And Dan, Pastor Dan said this. I thought this was so good as we were talking as a teaching team. Those indicators can really show us if we're walking in the spirit or not. Ding, 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 ding. Not, not initially. I mean, initially we get angry. But if it goes into this other area, like in my life with the envy and the bitterness and just, man, he's better than, you know, why he had it better than me. You know, his dad was a doctor and I, you know, whatever it is, what is all that? That's just flesh, man. It's just eating me up. We don't want to do that. Here's what it looks like. Here's some of the ways in my life that I know if I don't deal with some of this stuff, here's what happens. And this came out towards my friend. I started talking negatively about him. That's what happened. We started talking negatively about that person that we might be jealous of, envious of. Um, we stop wanting to be around them, and we avoid them. And we just start to, yeah, I'd rather be over here, not here. See, there, there's that tension. Um, we isolate ourselves sometimes. That's what, what I would do, and that actually would, that started to feed my depression. Because if you s- stuff anger... One of the manifestations of it is depression. You'll get depressed. Got to deal with it. Got to deal with it right. Blame shifting. That's what I would do. You know, just blame somebody else for, for what was going on in me. This is stuff we, we all deal with. Here's one. How about this? I start to gossip about that person a little bit. And if you, know, you hear what he did, I'm going to tell him. Grumbling. That's a pretty good grumble, isn't it? If you would have known, but the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Looking at Ephesians four, I'm going to close with some thoughts here on this. Uh, if you, when you pull that up, Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-six. This is the one that I referred to earlier. Be angry and yet do not sin. And that, I think I've given some examples of how to 
to, to avoid that, I'm going to close with some practical things. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, deal with it. And especially like for married couples and stuff, especially deal with it. Don't, if you're angry and you know you're angry, just talk to, to your spouse and at least agree if you need a timeout because you're so heated, that's fine. Take a timeout. But come back and deal with it and learn to resolve the conflict. There's ways to resolve it. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with the one in who has need. Just a practical thing. See, Paul's saying anger is not a sin, but it can become a real problem right, if we don't deal with it. I mentioned this before, uh, but I, I want to remind you, Jesus actually brings us to a higher standard. And, and here's what I'm saying as I leave you guys with this, because it's Christ in us. He's the higher standard. I mentioned a little bit ago, no one can live the Christian life. I truly believe that because I tried for many years and I failed. Jesus can live the Christian life. And the standard he holds to us, he holds us to, excuse me, is something like this. I'm going to read it to you out of Matthew. This is just one example of what Jesus says in terms of the higher standard. This is Matthew chapter 5. Is it 5? Is it up there? There it is. Okay, I didn't know if I gave it to him. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. Now, that's the, whole, that's the law, right? But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother... Something. Could be anything, really. You good for nothing shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Now, what's he saying? I believe what he's saying, and he, in the context of this, and you can see Jesus was kind of saying right before that, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees who were, who were experts of the law, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He's basically saying that. And then he basically lays out the old law. You, it says this, and it says this. It says if you even lust after, or excuse me, if you don't commit adultery, that's what the law says. But I say if you even lust after a woman, you've committed adultery. See, he, he's making a case for here's the law, the old law, and here's the moral law, the written law and the moral law. You can't keep either of them, is what he's saying. That's what I believe he's saying. But I can. I came and fulfilled it. Let me show you my life in you, and you're free from the law. Paul says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, don't come under a, a yoke of bondage anymore. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Set your mind on things above, not below. He gives us the way to walk in this freedom that we all can do. But it's when the enemy starts to lie to you, yeah, you're just an angry person, Rob. You're an angry man. That's giving the devil an opportunity, and that's where, at the end of this, I want to pray for us so that God might do lift some of that shame and anything that's been bothering you, maybe as a parent, you've been angry with your kid, you've been angry at yourself, you've been angry at your spouse. I don't know, but we get angry, don't we? Anyone else have road rage sometimes? I've never had that. I don't know what... No, I, I, I talk with a lot of guys and women too, and here, here's a little example of this. This is really, uh, this is a true story. I don't remember who the pastor was. I think I read it somewhere. 
but this pastor was in a car. He's a believer. He's stuck in traffic. I think it was in L.A. somewhere. And it's hot, and he's not moving, and he's getting really mad. And he looks in the rearview mirror, and he sees this car zipping in and out of traffic. And he's going, that son of a gun. Who gives him the right? What is going on with this dude? Do you ever see that? Do you ever get mad about stuff like that? Like, why is he doing that? So he's getting angry, really, really angry. And he finally just said, Lord, I don't know why I'm getting so angry, but this is bothering me. What's going on with the guy? And the Lord said, I'll show you. I'll tell you if you want to listen. And he felt in his heart what the Lord said. You know what was going on? That guy was rushing his wife, who was pregnant with their first baby, to the hospital, and both of them could have died. So he was frantically getting his wife to the hospital, and that's exactly what happened. My point is this. He had no idea, but he was getting mad over nothing. (laughs) How many times have I done that? You know, just getting angry over nothing. But if we just stop, whoa, 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 wait a second. Lord, what are you saying? Dan, Pastor Dan was telling me about a friend of his. This is like a practical thing that I'm going to end with, practical way to deal with anger. He, every time he gets in his car, he knows he's going to get angry. He gets angry. He gets in that traffic. He gets angry. So you know what Dan told him to do? Put a little sticky note inside your car that reminds you, hey, I'm entering into a place that I'm probably going to get ticked off really bad. Let me just take a moment and pray. And it, it's, the guy came back after a few weeks and said, dude, thank you, Dan. That changed my life. Just that. Just a little thing. Now, there are roots to it. I get it. And there are spiritual dimensions to this that I get it. And, and we, you know, we can t- talk more about it. You can go see a counselor if you need to. <laughs> you know, I did. And that's fine. Sometimes there's roots. But in general, it's daily stuff. And here's what I want to close with by telling you that. Here's some ways to process through our anger and jealousy, envy. First thing, humble yourself. Take a step back and just humble yourself. I don't have it written. You're gonna, and it, by the way, you can go to YouVersion. Uh, you guys have version, And the notes are on there, so you can always look at there. Humble yourself. Take a step back. Decide to come in for the pit stop. You see the indicator light? Take a break and go, what's going on? Why am I so angry? What's, and the Lord will show you. All we got to do is ask him. He'll show you. He'll show you if it's a deeper root. He'll show you if it's something else. Sometimes we're so stressed with so much in life that it doesn't take much to just spark rage. So maybe the Lord will say something like this. You know, your priorities are out of whack. <laughs> take a step back and look at where you're putting all your time and energy. I'm putting it in the, my job so much because we don't have enough money. Oh, Okay. You think I could take care of that for you, son? And you start to feel the peace. You start to feel the life of Jesus coming through you just to take a step back. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me as a younger uh, father, um, I was coming home from work, so frustrated with my job, and I was seeing a counselor. This was in Phoenix, and I was seeing a counselor trying to process through all this stuff. And... uh, I would come home, and maybe you guys relate to this, and all the kids, we had four at the time, um, and, and they would all come at me, and you, I'd be smelling the, the subtle smell of poopy diapers in the air, which isn't really fun to come home to, you know, so just my selfish, you know, dishes in the sink, stuff all over the place. My wife's working her butt off, by the way. She was homeschooling all of her kids and working her butt up at me and my selfishness. This is not what I need right now. 
and I would get angry, and then I would find the kids needed something, and they, my toy broke, and this, and I would run off and start to take care of the kids, and I would get even more frustrated, and then I start the day over again. Didn't process it. I started getting so, so dark about it. I was like, Lord, what's going on? And he said, son, your priorities are out of whack, man. Basically, he didn't say it in that language, but it was kind of like that. <laughs> I just felt this. You're coming home, and you're getting rushed off and doing all this stuff. Just spend time with Amy when you come home. Greet the kids. Say hi. Kiss them. But say, you know what? Mom and I are going to spend some time together. And I would listen to her day and just connect with her. Just for 30 or 40 minutes, not a long time. You know what happened? This is, this is true. The peace of God began to come in our home because our kids saw. They didn't know I was honoring God in it, but they felt his peace because God honors you when we honor him. I, I did the best I could to just take an extra moment to just be with my wife and hold her and love her. And it's not perfect. One month I spent like $150, I think, on Starbucks one time, which is crazy. But she needed that at that moment. She really did. You remember that? We're eating scones and stuff on the porch. Five dollar scones. I didn't care. I went in debt to Starbucks, but it was worth it because my wife needed it. Well, you had scones. I think I had the ch chocolate chip muffins or something. I don't know what it was, but it was good. It was good. All my point is this: sometimes we just take a step back, and the Lord will show you. Take a take a step back. Your priorities are out of whack. You're spending too much time here. Didn't we feel the peace of God in our home just come? Just for me. Now, the kids got mad at first because dad's not paying attention to me. But then, they, then God blesses it because he does it in ways we can't control. He's good. Listen and be willing to change. That's his third thing. Just listen. Be willing to change. Maybe it's a priority. Maybe it's something else. Posture yourself to succeed. That was the one example I gave you about Dan's friend. Put a sticky note in your car. Remind yourself to pray something. You can master. We can master it. God gave us the ability. Sin's crouching at the door, but you can master it. Praise God because of Christ in us, we can. It doesn't have to destroy us and turn into this mess. Put off and put on. Ephesians chapter 4, and then in Colossians, it says some amazing things as I finish here, as those guys are looking for those. There's all kind of slides out there, you know? Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. This is one scripture, talks about putting off and putting on. I think what Paul is simply saying, remember who you are. In Ephesians 4, it basically says, you did not learn Christ in this way, but if, in terms of how did you learn Jesus? He was talking about some of the negative ways. You learned Jesus because he's true, and here's what he says. Put off the old, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new. Now, that's something only you and I can do. God doesn't do it for us. And so what I mean by that is, when the, if we give the enemy an opportunity in some of our affairs daily, it's, we're not looking at the right person. We're looking at our old, nasty, selfish side that we can all go to. God wants us to say, no, put that aside, be renewed, just in a moment, and then put on the new. What's the new? You are created in holiness and righteousness. You're righteous in Christ. You're blameless in Christ. You are awesome. And that's what I began to meditate. You know what happens when I start to do that? My anger starts to go away for some reason. 
and I start to cool down. Choose to walk by the Spirit. It's a daily choice. In Galatians, I referred to that earlier. If we walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. It's a choice. Lord, lead me today. I give you first choice and lead me in, in my actions. Set your mind on the Spirit. It says in Romans 8, something very profound that I love to remind you of. I don't know if it's up there. Uh, I'm going to read it to you. It says this, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's, that's good to know. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It's just that cho- it's just a choice we make. The mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It doesn't subject itself to the law of God for it is not even able to do so. It's a choice. And then lastly, before I pray, just remember that we're sons and daughters, amen, of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he loves you. He's not mad at you. He wants to minister to you, and he wants to show you who you are and the freedom we walk in every day. So I want to pray as we close, and I want to pray that maybe God would uh, do do a a, a work here. So would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. uh, God, thank you that you, you see us right where we're at, and there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Thank you for that, Jesus. And I pray right now, if there is anyone who's struggling with condemnation or shame or any negative thing that the enemy could be lying to them about, they've given the devil an opportunity like I've done so many times, and we're just in this mess and the enemy's beating us down, I just pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would lift that off of every person here. And just take a moment. To, to put off the old. If you're looking at something that's not right in your life, I want you to look at it with your eyes closed. Just see what it looks like, and then you take that off. Take it off. If you Whatever that looks like to you, take it off. And right now, Lord, I ask you to renew us in the spirit of our mind, and now we want to put on the new. And whatever that looks like to you, Let that stand as truth in your life. Put on the new. Lord, show us the new. Remind us of the new. So we're not under this heavy bondage all the time of the lies of the enemy. We break the power of it in Jesus' name. I pray you would remind us daily we can choose to walk by the Spirit and walk in that freedom. And I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.